If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 566. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class when you do enroll. 10 Myths of American History. Purchase a class or 20 there. You keep the podcast free of charge and you get great content. You can also support the show by clicking on the shop tab at brianmclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Click on the support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way. Get a book plate if you want my autograph on one of my books. Of course, purchase one of my books. I've got a number of those. I'm close to 10. My latest two are... The uh, Jeffersonian Tradition and Southern Scribblings, both great books. Get them wherever books are sold online. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That way you let people know that you love the show, you're boosting the numbers up, and you're getting people interested. Plus, share it around on social media. Let people know you like this show and you want to think locally and act locally and you want other people thinking locally and acting locally. And send me those show requests. If there's something you want me to talk about, Send me an email, right? Send it to me an email. I may not respond back to you, but I do read them. And so I appreciate all the support. Um, and that's, I mean, this show is for you. I want you to know that. This show is for you. So that said, let's talk about the topic of the day. We started off yesterday talking about uh, what was the Civil War, quote unquote, really about. And I wanted to begin with that because this week is about that particular topic, not just in the 1860s but in 2022. And so today we're going to talk about an NPR piece that discusses, are we going to have civil war? And what would that really look like in the 21st century? Would it look like it did in 1860 or 1861? Would it look like something else if something like this was to happen? We're starting with a premise here, with an assumption, okay, with an assumption that should we have... Uh, some type of conflict, okay? Uh, or should we have um, you know, political conflict? It should devolve into shooting. Well, why? Why would it do that? You see, the assumption is that secession or decentralization naturally has to lead to shooting. It doesn't at all. It doesn't have to lead to shooting. It doesn't have to lead to people trying to uh, kill each other at all, right? This is a peaceful solution to a problem. We do it every day. In our own personal lives. You don't like somebody, you stop talking to them. You just, you just don't want to be around them anymore. You don't have to deal with them anymore. We have relationship issues. Think people, people separate in relationships. We have all of these things that go on. And yet, oh, and yet we think that if it's a political situation, we have to be locked together. There's no way around it. And I'm going to force you to do what I want. Now, I remember uh, I, I brought up something like this and... Uh, the 
Somebody said, well, <laughs> you're so stupid because uh, in a divorce situation, you got to have both parties. Uh, they both have to be involved in this. And it wasn't until recently that we had, I mean, it used to be that uh, you had to have the, both parties agree to it. You couldn't just have one. Uh, say that they wanted out and then he got out. We, it was in the 19th century, it had to be both. So this is proving that unilateral secession couldn't take place because, uh, because I use the analogy of a divorce situation. Um, and so you would have to have, if it was you know 1860 and you want a divorce, well, it would have to be both parties agreed to it. Uh, we don't live in 1860 anymore, number one. And number two, um, in the political analogy, people had pointed out because it was a compact between sovereign entities and that compact did not have an end date, right? Uh, because they didn't write it down. That didn't mean they couldn't do it, but they just didn't write it down. This compact is going to exist for, for 10 years or 20 years, whatever it is. There still was an out because the power to leave was not denied by the Constitution. It's an easy argument to refute. This is where people try to think they get you, right? I mean, this this happens a lot. Of us, oh, I'm going to get this person. I'm going to show them how smart I am. You didn't get anything, but just showing that you're really not that bright to begin with. But anyways, the title of this piece is Imagine Another American Civil War, but this time in every state. It's by Ron Elving. Now, again, based on the supposition that we're going to have to have a war if we have decentralization, there has to be a war. Or based on the supposition that democracy in America is dying. You see, all these leftists believe democracy in America is dying because they don't control democracy in every state. To them, democracy means victory for the left. If it's not victory for the left, it's not democracy. That's the only democracy that, that works. So, not long ago, the idea of another American Civil War seemed outlandish. These days, the notion has not only gone mainstream, it seems to suddenly be everywhere. Now, look at the non-sequitur non here. Civil War and secession. Two different things. So let's, let's see where they're going with this. Business Insider published a poll in October 2020 saying a majority of Americans believe the U.S. was already in the midst of a cold civil war. Well, a cold war is not the same as a civil war, right? Yeah, I mean, people aren't really talking to each other, and there's a lot of disconnect out there. But then see where he goes with this. Then last fall, the University of Virginia Center for Politics released a poll finding that a majority of people who had voted to re-elect re former President Donald Trump in 2020 now wanted their state to secede from the Union. Now, does that mean there's a civil war? Just because you have secession, does that mean there's a war? Well, no, of course it doesn't. Yesterday, we had the piece where War didn't have to happen. The war in 1861 didn't have to happen. Lincoln could have made another choice. He could have let the states go in peace. Winfield Scott urged him to do so. Why are we going to do this? Why are we going to fight a war? This is ridiculous. But yet the supposition is that if we have decentralization, there has to be war. Well, who would do that? Well, of course, the left. The left to force everyone else, the Yankees, this is the Yankee in them, to force everyone else to be like them. Now, when I say Yankee, I don't mean Northerners. I mean a particular type of Northerner. A self-righteous moralist bent on power. The Puritans, essentially. Those are the Yankees. And that particular culture in America has always wanted to force other people to be like them. 
It doesn't matter if it's here in the United States or overseas. This is exactly what the Yankee does. That's the problem. I think it was uh, Ruben put up a video the other day. He said there was a guy working out with the N95 mask on and yelling at the uh, at the lady who was cleaning up in there. They didn't have her mask over her nose. And he said, what do we call male Karens? Well, you just call them all Yankees. That's what they are. Uh, Yankee. The UVA data also showed a stunning 41% of those who voted for Joe Biden in 2020 also said it might be time to split the country. <gasps> stunning that some Democrats want to get out of the union. Some leftists think that it might be better just to live without, <laughs> without conservatives. Hey, why not? I mean, this is the thing. It's beautiful. You just don't have to deal with these people anymore. You can do what you want, and they can do what they want. We can have our, our places. And wouldn't that be great? Isn't that what we all really want to begin with? We want to just be unencumbered by the people that we don't like. We just don't want to think about them. And most, I'll, I'll, I'll dirt a little secret here. Most people in the South don't think about Washington State or Massachusetts maybe more than once or twice in the entire year. That's, that's stretching it too, by the way. It might be years before they think about these states. They don't care because they don't live in them. Now, people in those other states, though, think they wring their hands. What's going on in Florida? What do I got to do in Florida? What are these Floridians? These Alabamians, these Georgians. What, Georgia, we got to think about Georgia all the time. Georgia, people are being oppressed in Georgia. Right, right. Not really, but I mean, this is what they believe. They create in their own mind this boogeyman and they create in their own mind all these horrible things happening. And they're not really happening. The whole idea of voting, voter suppression, it's not really happening at all. But they create a narrative, a fabricated narrative, just like Lincoln freed the slaves. The war was about slavery. This is what they do. So they can control the narrative and then, of course, control how people think about these things. Researchers have found such downbeat assessments of America's democracy are especially salient among the young. Last month, the Institute of Politics at Harvard's Kennedy School published a poll that found half of voting-age Americans under 30 thought our democracy was in trouble or failing. A third also said they expected there to be a civil war within their lifetimes, and a quarter thought at least one state would secede. Wow, that's really good. A quarter? I mean, again, 20 years ago, close to 30 years ago, it would have been like 1% of people said that. That's amazing, a quarter. But you see, it doesn't have to be violent. And why do they think democracy is failing? Because they're told it every day on the, on the mainstream news this is happening. It's not really. Secession is purely democratic. Decentralization is all about democracy. It's about people controlling their own lives or their own local governments. It's exactly what it's about. It's democratic. It's not anti-democratic. It's pro-democracy. In fact, one of the reasons why we got the Constitution is because the founding generation thought there was too much democracy. When the states had control of everything, too much democracy. we got to rein that in somehow. See, that's a dirty little secret of all of that. They thought there was too much democracy out there, so we had to have the Constitution to limit democracy. So when all these people, the leftists, run around saying, the Constitution's in trouble because they're limiting democracy, the Constitution's anti-democratic by design, which is, by the way, why it's a pretty good document in its original design if we just followed it. That's by design. The Senate there to put brakes on the House. That's what it's there for, which is the Senate is the legislative body of the states. I had to laugh the other day um, when somebody complained that 
this particular senator wasn't didn't have a town hall meeting. It hasn't had a town hall in a year. So what? Senators represent states, not people. They represent states. That was the whole idea. So if they want to have a town hall meeting, I guess they could meet with uh, the state legislature. Of course, the state legislature doesn't select them anymore, but I mean, that's who they represent. They represent the state, not the people. They don't need a town hall meeting of a state. You don't have a town hall meeting for that. Millions of people, you can have a town hall. You could for your city council, but not for your state. Peace continues. The more one hears this particular drumbeat, the louder it becomes. Late last year, the University of Maryland and the Washington Post produced a poll saying that one-third of Americans thought violence against the government was sometimes justified, a belief they found even more widely held among Republicans and independents. According to the poll, just about one American in ten held that view in the 1990s. This is what I said, that 30 years ago, secession would have seemed unimaginable. Nobody could think about this, but now... 30 years later, people are talking about it. Why? Because we're starting to see that um, the, the emperor has no clothes. America is too big. 335 plus million people cannot be governed by 535 people or 536 people or you know, 545 people if you, uh, if you throw in the Supreme Court. We can't have that. It's that's not democracy. If you want democracy, people don't want to be governed if they're on the left by those on the right, and people on the right don't want to be governed by those on the left. And the left is the most violent among them. When they say they bring up violence, well, uh, violence. This is this is uh, this is Republicans. This, is, this this piece is going to get into that. It's all about boogeyman. The left is the most violent political entity in the history of man. It always has been. You want to talk about the most violent political uprisings? They're all from the left. The French Revolution, the communist revolutions in several states around the world. That's the left. Last time I checked, the Khmer Rouge were not on the right. Last time I checked, Lenin wasn't on the right. Last time I checked, Robespierre wasn't on the right. These are all lefties. The left is violent. Last time I checked, all the Antifa fools were not on the right. These are the leftists. And I said years ago, you think eggs to the face is bad? Wait, it's going to get worse. And it has. It's gotten a lot worse. So then the question, then the, the, the author continues, do the respondents in all these polls fully realize what these terms mean? Or are their answers imply? <gasps> do they realize what this means? That, that uh, we could have a, uh, what is it going to mean? What does it mean, Elving? It doesn't mean anything. People want to govern their own lives. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean there has to be war unless idiots like you say it has to lead to that. This is the problem. Possibly not. Talk is often cheap, and pollsters can ask a lot of provocative questions in pursuit of something noteworthy or buzzworthy. What do people even mean by civil war? Let us assume it would not be returned to the 1860s when 11 southern states left the Union and fought a four-year war to assert the right to do so and preserve the practice of slavery. Well, let's see, this is, this is why the NPR is just stupid, which had about 4 million African Americans in bondage at the time. Right. They fought a four-year war to assert the right to do so and preserve the practice of slavery. So, well, it was kind of about their right to leave and then also, but I mean, it was all about slavery. The American Civil War cost the lives of at least 600,000 Americans, 
at least, it's actually closer to a million, and contributed to the deaths of many thousands more. It devastated the South economically and left most of those in the region who had been emancipated into lives of peonage and uh, penury. Well, you know what? It also left the people, the white people there, that fought the war in the same situation. The South was, dem- it was, it was, it was punished by poverty. It was, it was devastated by the war. But to this author, it was just about the former slaves. This is what they had. No, no, no. It was the entire South. And it was done so on purpose so that it could become a plantation of the North. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole other issue. But. Moreover, it did little to settle the constitutional issue of states' rights, a problematic point in our national conversation ever since. Problematic. See, those on the left, anytime you have self-determination, that's problematic. That's problematic. It's problematic. It's troubling. It's problematic. This is the new word, and I've talked about this on this show, problematic. That's what the lefties use, problematic. Salient in the struggle for civil rights and voting rights, it remains so in the squabbles over the mask and vaccine mandates of today. See, it's problematic to oppose leftist morons like Elving. That's problematic because you should just do what we tell you, citizen, and you should like it, citizen, and we should you should go along with what the center says because we are in control. That's democracy. States' rights still with us. The right of states to go their own way on fundamental issues are also still front and center in the Supreme Court, where abortion rights pose an immediate example. Texas and other states want to make the procedure all but unavailable, while much of the nation prefers the access granted nationwide by the court's Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. Wait a second here. Uh, Is that so? Are you sure about much of the nation wanting that? Or do you mean California and Massachusetts and New York? Because he's, that's not the nation. That's some states when probably if you put it to a vote in most states, it would go the other way. That would be much of the nation against Elving and his dopes. This is a family-friendly show, so I won't use what they really are. Right? So that's the issue. They're upset because the center is being challenged. The center that they control. It's all being undermined. Their whole utopian leftist dream is being destroyed by these people in these states. (gasps) How dare they? We are already seeing border war with individual states passing major legislation that differs considerably from that in other places. Oh my gosh. Daryl West has just figured out federalism. It's amazing that you could have one state that does something different than another state. Well, golly, I mean, dang, why the founders never thought of that, which is why they created federalism to begin with. But Darrell West is the director of governance studies at the Brookings Institute and William Gale, a Brookings senior fellow in economic studies, who've written a pair of articles on the fraying of the American social and political fabric. They note that conflicts between entire states are not the only way civil war may emerge in our time, or even the most likely. When and if the issue turns to violent confrontation, when and if, when, not just if, but when it does, well, who's going to be violent? Is it going to be the right? No, it's going to be the left. These are the morons making things violent. These are the people trying to enforce their will through police action and other things. This is who's making it violent. Not, not the right. They just refuse to comply with things. When and if the issue turns violent to violent confrontation between local citizens and federal officers, 
But between contentious groups of citizens, the clash might well take place far closer to home, as Westingale, right? Between local citizens and federal officers. You mean the unconstitutional federal officers. This is the other issue here. We got a lot of unconstitutional federal officers running around out there. Today's toxic atmosphere makes it difficult to negotiate on important issues, which makes people angry with the federal government and has helped create a winner-take-all approach to politics. When the stakes are so high, people are, are willing to consider extraordinary means to achieve their objectives. Well, what's the problem there? Uh, obviously, Gale and West haven't figured out that the real issue would be solved by more decentralization. It's not the toxic atmosphere. It's the fact that you've got a bunch of ideologues running around on the left saying things that don't work. I mean, we've seen it. All these leftists are now starting to say, well, wait a second here. Maybe what we've been doing for a whole two years almost hasn't been working. Yo, you think? You think? Maybe that really hasn't worked. Maybe it's just been a complete disaster. But you'd have to admit that. And what do these careful scholars mean by extraordinary? These careful scholars. They're just careful scholars. How about dopey scholars is more like it. Let's take out scholars. Just say dopes. What do these dopes think? America has an extraordinary number of guns and private militias. They write how many? They cite the National Shooting Sports Foundation's estimate of 440, 434 million firearms in civilian possession in the U.S. right now. That would be 1.3 guns per person. So these dopes are now saying it's as uh, we're all just going to start shooting each other. No, we're not. Most Americans don't want that. They wouldn't do that. You know who does? The left, though. You want to solve problems? Get the left out of politics, or at least let people go their own way. Semi-automatic weapons comprise about 19.8 million in total, they add ominously, making for a highly armed population with potentially dangerous capabilities. <gasps> So out of the 434 million firearms, there's about 20 million that are semi-automatic weapons. Think about that for a minute. That means most of the weapons are shotguns, single-shot rifles, things like that. Uh, this is what Joe Biden said we all need. So 19.8 million uh, are the ones that are dangerous, but... Um, does that include, you know, your Ruger 1022 or, I mean, is that, you know, included in that too? This little 22, little, little, uh, plinking rifle. I mean, is that in that? I mean, come on. This is just stupid. The New York Times recently reviewed how civil wars start by political scientist Barbara F. Walter of the University of California at San Diego. In an interview with NPR member station KPBS in San Diego a year ago, Walter said the January 6th attack on the Capitol was surprising, but should not have been because we had been watching American democracy decline since 2016. Again, a leftist masquerade, a leftist act activist masquerading as a historian, political scientist, whatever it is. They're masquerading as someone who knows something. A scholar of international law, Walter, as the U.S. used to be considered a full democracy like Norway, Switzerland, or Iceland. And now is considered a partial democracy like Ecuador, Somalia, or Haiti. Look at, look at what they did here. The U.S. used to be considered a full democracy like these great Scandinavians, Norway, and Iceland. Oh, and Switzerland. Wait a second. Switzerland's a federation. And in that federation, they can, they can nullify what the center does. They can actually leave it if they want. The United States used to be like Switzerland. 
until the center slaughtered a million people and said, you can't do that anymore. A partial democracy. Look what they say, partial democracy. Ecuador, Somalia, or Haiti. Well, Trump called those countries a particular name. I won't say it on this podcast. But if you said that he was a racist for saying that, but then uh, uh, Barbara Walter can say this, and it's okay. It's okay because a scholar says it. But a partial democracy? No, no, no. That's ridiculous. It's a federal republic, morons. It's never even been a democracy to begin with. It's a federal republic. The geographical divides in our time are different from those of the 1860s. We can still trace the original Mason-Dixon line that separated the regions of free soil from slave states. And there are real differences on either side of that ancient uh, demarcation even today. Well, wait a second here. Um, the, there wasn't any demarcation until northern states started abolishing slavery. And when we had the original United States founded... There were no free states. <laughs> so the Mason-Dixon was a line that demarcated not just free and slave, but south and north culturally. So Elving hasn't figured this out yet. There's always been a divide. But the most meaningful geographic separation in our society is no longer as tidy as north and south or east and west. It is the familiar divide between urban and rural, or to update that a bit, metro versus non-metro. Thus, a blue state such as Maine has populous coastal counties that voted for Biden and sparsely populated interior counties that went heavily for Trump. This is true. Enough to tip the majority to him in one of the two states' congressional districts. Conversely, the ruby-red state, Nebraska, one congressional district anchored in the city of Omaha, went for Biden. This is also true. This is why these states, maybe the states are too big too. Did you ever think of that? This dynamic also shows up in the biggest population states. The top prizes in the Electoral College. In California, where the coastal cities are famously liberal, the Central Valley counties are still far more conservative. And in Texas, Biden carried the six largest metros in 2020, due largely to the growing number of people of color. The people of color. You, I mean, 20 years ago, if you said that, you'd been called a racist for saying that statement. But most of the state's 254 counties are outside these metros. In rural Texas, the Republican vote still share is still the lion's share. That may change over time, but for now we're less a nation divided in 50 states than we are two nations that are both present in each of those states. Well, we're not really a nation to begin with. We have a federal republic, and the states could, have, could handle these differences in the states themselves. They don't need the center to do it. Each is dominant in its own space and certain that it is the real America. You can measure some of this geographic demographic division in the 2020 election results. Trump won in 2,588 counties covering most of the nation's landscape as Republican candidates usually do. This is why we're accustomed to election night maps that are strikingly red, even as the popular vote is closer or leans Democratic. Biden, in stark contrast, carried only 551 counties, less than a quarter as many as Trump, but the counties Biden carried had a total population of, of nearly 198 million, while Trump's altogether had just 130 million. That is a difference of nearly 68 million people. Put another way, Biden won the counties that are home to 60% of the total U.S. population. So I got an idea. Why don't we let those places break off and then the rest of America can just be what it wants to be? Why don't we have states leave? I mean, why don't we have Georgia boot Atlanta out? That would be fantastic. Georgia could just say, Atlanta, you're gone. See you later. Or Texas could boot out you know, Austin. Just get rid of it. Move the capital. Do something else. 
It's hard to believe when uh, starting, staring at a map on which Biden's counties are scattered blue dots on a sea of red, but those blue dots are where most of the country lives. When you look at the top 10 states by metro percentage of the total state population, Biden won all 10. Trump did win a few intercore urban counties here and there with a combined population of 4.7 million. Biden won the rest of that category with a combined population of 97 million. That's a ratio of 20 to 1. So you see, Biden's all about democracy. This is about democracy. You see, these other places are not democratic. It's not democratic for those places to have any kind of control over anything. They should just agree with what the cities want. And they should just go with that. Right. Well, if we had real federalism, again, we could have these states hash that out. But we don't. So you've got 551 counties controlling the rest of the United States. And is are things not different in Atlanta than they are in, say... Uh, you know, rural and and Macon, Georgia, right? Or areas around Macon? Is it not different? Uh, is it not different from there? Uh, you know, in in uh, in say Atlanta than it is an up uh, the the uh, the upstate part of Georgia. You know, the the mountainous regions. Is it not different there? And say, uh, you know, there's a there's a uh, in white there's actually a city in Georgia called White Georgia. Is it not different in White Georgia from uh, from uh, you know Atlanta Georgia? Is it not different? Uh, that's a little town out in the middle of nowhere, right? Trump did win a few. Oh, I saw this. More of the Biden counties are where most of the population growth is happening. Less than a fifth of the counties account for seventy seven percent of the Latino or Hispanic community and 86% of Asian American community nationwide. What's interesting is I saw some data the other day that the, the Hispanic community is actually swinging more to the Republican side now. The, the Democrats are losing them. Uh, so that'd be interesting in electoral politics. It's a civil war, a self-fulfilling anxiety. The forces of disunity are disquieting, to say the least, but must it all come to blows? Can we still center ourselves and pull back from whatever brink we are approaching? Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Must we come to blows? No, we don't have to. If idiots like you would stop saying because we have decentralization, we got to fight each other. It doesn't have to happen that way. It doesn't have to happen that way at all. Irish Times writer uh, Fintan O'Toole offered a cautionary message just before Christmas in The Atlantic, because The Atlantic is such a great piece, great publication, recounting some of his horrific memories from the Troubles in his homeland of the late, late 1900s. Even then, he says, with all the provocation on both sides, it never got to a full-blown civil war. It doesn't do to behave as if our divisions must compel us to bloodshed, he adds, because dwelling on such thoughts and making such predictions may bring that prospect close to reality, even if intended to do the opposite. That makes sense, especially if you believe that too much thinking about the unthinkable can become an acceptance of the unacceptable. And however you personally regard the meaning of what happened on January 6, 2021, we know that nothing in American politics is unthinkable. Well, uh, perhaps if dopes like you would figure out that decentralization is actually peaceful. And know what? The South said this when they left. We don't want war. Just leave us alone. And what happened? The North wouldn't leave them alone. It doesn't have to come to blows if you just have people that understand, hey, self-determination, yeah, you can leave. All right, good. See ya. You can go your own way. We'll see ya. That would be the peaceful solution to all of this. All right. So this piece, again, ridiculously dumb, but... Um, you you have to expect that from NPR, but it shows that, hey, people are thinking about these things. Anyway, 
Hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. See you then.